0: Welcome to Tech Talks, the technology podcast with David Savage and Jack Pierce, publishing on Mondays and Thursdays. This is a show packed full of interviews and debate with technology leaders for the love of tech. Coming up on today's show, we are joined by Rachel Collicutt. She is the CEO of Dot Everyone. But before that... Hi Jack and hello again Sean.
1: Hello this,
0: this is becoming quite a regular thing I
1: know I like it
0: um, So look there's there's an elephant in the room there's one news story from yesterday that I think <laughs> we just need to mention first right and uh, is it get it out of the way
2: chief scout's going to leave
0: no, no it's the fact there's going to be another Ghostbusters movie
2: Oh <laughs> what's, that? Um, what, what's the reboot gonna be this time that makes no. everyone up in
0: arms? No, so this this is Get Jason Jason Jason, Jason Reetman, Ivan Reetman's son, is directing it. Oh. It's ignoring the all female reboot from what, twenty seventeen? Yeah. yeah, yeah, and it's being set in the original universe of Ghostbusters One and Two, following on from Ghostbusters Two.
2: We are now in an age where the only successful films have an existing fan base already. Every yeah. every big film now is either a remake or in the same universe. We're we we lacking creativity.
0: Marvel
1: is How the much. Main. Can we bleed this idea dry? Exactly. <laughs> How I much mean, more money is in it?
2: Don't get me wrong. I bloody love Marvel and Star yeah. Wars and all the rest of it, but. The best film I've seen, well, I suppose the best film of the sort of circuit of films, season of films, was The Favourite, which I talked about last week. Yeah. Which is, I suppose you could say it has an existing fan base in that it's based on Queen Anne in the late 17th century, so... <laughs> I you
0: know, suppose, I be suppose big fans. that's <laughs> possibly tapping into the success of, of period royal dramas yeah, like The
2: Crown. Downton Abbey's and such, yeah, but really dark humour. It's really good, really good.
0: I saw Black Klansman over the weekend oh it's hilarious isn't it that is well worth a watch and not set in the Marvel Cinematic nope. Universe
2: no how good is Adam Driver in it excellent he, I thought he was and his partner on it is Steve Buscemi's brother
0: oh is it yeah um, one other thing that I thought was uh, was worth mentioning Donald Trump's uh, fashion <laughs> advice with regards to ties that's, that's oh. appeared in the news oh, I thought oh, we were going to send them to Donald's the burgers, the burgers is hilarious yeah um, and and probably we could link to this uh, Chris Christie has released an autobiography where he said that during the presidential campaign Donald Trump advised him to always wear his tie as long as possible mm. to uh, slim him down oh which you know we're, we're always told you know your, your tie should be about your belly uh, button belly, no about your belt length okay uh, but no, Donald Trump goes for the kind of the comically long tie, which actually look the he, photos of him.
2: That's why he looks so slim all the time,
0: doesn't he? <laughs> well, he's like, it really works. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, given that we know that he loves McDonald's, that yeah. during the shutdown he gave I mean, a shows. team of elite, elite athletes yeah. McDonald's Eat and that. that he eats burgers in bed, perhaps changing uh, his diet would really. be a better solution to the fact that he's very nearly obese than wearing a really long tie. His
2: BMI must be ridiculous. He's seventy odd years old. Though. He's I feel
1: point... sorry for his doctors, mate then. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. More... Sure oh, yeah, yeah. I'm sure well, they're yeah. paid yeah. enough. Oh yeah, well yeah. Well according
0: to the public records he's only 0.1% <laughs> off being obese on BMI. Oh let's get anyway. that last 0one
1: no. oh, I'm
2: sure that would have happened the other night with the a... Wendy's and burgers and stuff Yeah.
0: so anyway thinking of the least responsible people that we can think of let's uh, switch to the most responsible people that (laughs) we can think of
2: Um,
0: which is uh, dot everyone, Rachel Uh, if you don't know they're a charity that is trying to make sure that business is aware of the impact of their products and services and it's founded by Martha Lane Fox so we are talking about not tech for good but uh, responsible tech Uh, Rachel will explain far better than I can that's coming up, but stay tuned. Afterwards, we will obviously have a quick chat about it, and then we've in part two of the show, we've got some articles to discuss. So today we're talking to Rachel. You're the CEO of Dot Everyone. If anyone's listening and hasn't heard of Dot Everyone yet, do you mind just taking a few seconds and, and telling us who you guys are?
3: Sure. We're a think tank, um, which means we do a mixture of um, research and understanding about how... Uh, the tech is changing the world and mm. we do um, policy work with the government, we work closely with business to help them be more aware of the impact of their products and the services and we do lots of work in communities um, really looking at how tech has been changing people's um, lives and, and how to make that um, better for everyone.
0: How did that come about? Because obviously there are some really big societal questions there that need to be asked, but it's one thing going, oh, we should really be thinking about this and actually kind of setting up a think tank that has some some influence.
3: Uh, well, we started in quite a, an unusual way. Uh, the founder is um, Martha Lynn Fox, who probably um, lots of your um, listeners have heard of. Martha uh, started out as an entrepreneur uh, and founded... Um, last minute in the late 90s and uh, she did a um, lecture on the BBC about three and a half years ago talking Mm about how even though the internet had done lots of great things for lots of us it hadn't actually made all the um, positive changes it had promised and then uh, very grandly announced the launch of a new uh, organisation called Dot Everyone uh, and then we sort of had to work out how to turn that into a thing. Yeah. Um, so Martha's um, um, lecture like covered everything f- f- from uh, diversity to privacy to health um, and we had to think about how to change those really big goals into like a practical thing that could create change.
0: And how did you personally get involved?
3: Um, in quite a sort of, uh, I guess, I don't know, I was in the right place at the right time. At, at that moment, I was working uh, at a service design agency, um, having previously been doing lots of r and um, over the years. I've been working in the tech for over 20 years. And um, I started to think about what, what, what would it mean to do the good using the tech, um, not just to make um, money, you know. And at the time, I was working with lots of banks and energy companies and things, uh, and it was all about um, revenue. Mm. And I was trying to think, like, what could you do that would be a good thing that wasn't particularly working at a charity? Uh, I started talking to Martha, and we, um, you know, I was lucky enough to be around quite early on in her, her thinking. I say, not not an like, uh, particularly exciting uh, story, I'm afraid.
0: Well, I don't think I, I don't, I, I don't I think I'd agree with time. that necessarily. I mean, <laughs> but, yeah. plenty of different kind of experience <laughs> from different yeah. from different areas. It's interesting though listening to you talk because you talk a lot about doing good, positive change. And one of the mistakes I made when we first talked was kind of going, oh, you know, tech for good. We, we have a lot of people on the podcast who are tech for good. And you very quickly went, this isn't quite tech for good. This is more about responsible tech and why that's needed. Yeah. I suppose that's an interesting distinction just to make and understand why.
3: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I must suppose ultimately what I'm more interested in is how can the, the tech that everybody um, uses be better... F- for all of us when you think of the tech for good that that's really kind of solving big issues like mm. health or education or huge inequalities that have arisen and meanwhile um, there was a lot of optimism I think in the in the early days of the internet that this would be something that was about uh joining p- pull up opening things up being more democratic um, kind of changing the power systems that were there and actually the thing that's happened is that it's the, the same old like mm-hmm. the people who tend to get the most out of, of tech are the people who are getting the um, most out of life and I guess the things that we would like to see are some of that of original optimism really turning into good things that are, are kind of changing all of our lives in um, positive ways. And we've seen in our um, research that uh, at the moment, it feels like lots of people understand that technology is improving their own lives. Um, over half of people think that technology is really good for them and people like them but only 12% of people think it's good for society as a whole. And whether that's because they feel their kids are spending too much time um, looking at a a screen, they don't know their neighbours, their local shops have closed, they can't get an appointment at the doctor's, like just all these little sort of nagging things that pile up. And then there are like the big stories like Facebook and everything that's happened there over the last... Yeah. And there's just this kind of nagging feeling that although tech has been really convenient, it's not really improving our lives as a whole.
0: But surely that 12% is, I mean, it's obviously not down to tech itself. Tech's inherently neither one thing or the other. So I suppose that's down to whether or not leadership is responsible and how tech is, is utilised and deployed?
3: Yeah, I mean, one of the things that we we would really like to see is a move away from the idea that the only way to innovate is to move fast and break things. So, for, you know, certainly the last, like, probably 20 years, the I there has been, because it's very easy to do things quickly on the internet, it's easy to have the go, break a law, create a new normal, mm. um, and if you th- think about you know, some of the things that companies like Google and Airbnb and Uber have done, they've been acting like years and years ahead of government, um, where there hasn't been laws to, to contain them. And that actually now it's time for um, business and government and communities to be thinking about how how is this piece of new tech, how is it changing us, is it changing us in ways we understand, are the consequences good for more of us or less of us, um, and like is it possible to make new tech in ways that are not just about disrupting, but about being responsible and thoughtful and aware of the consequences of our actions?
0: I mean, why, why isn't that the new normal? Because you, you said there that there are obviously large sections of the sector that have been acting ahead of that legal lag that's yeah. been created. But equally, before we hit record, you talked about the fact that you'd like to see more joined-up thinking across across different sectors. So, fintech being a good example where there is a regulated environment, but that's not being shared in healthcare or or transport. Why is that the case?
3: I mean, I think it's partly money. You know, so there's two things. If if there's a one of the problems um, with how business um, models quite often work at the moment, and we do lots of research talking to the founders and business leaders, is really thinking about that quarterly reporting cycle where there just has to be change and uplift every three months, and there need to be more people doing um, more things all the time. Mm. Uh, And if you look at, for instance, the regulatory and environment and finance now, that's tight because um, money matters, you know, because it's too high risk, to too many people to lose that money, there's a really kind of clear set of rules there. And there are probably people who are listening who would be saying, ah, oh, but it's terrible, it's really hard to get things done. But actually, That's led to the Open Banking Framework, there's lots of new products and services happening there. Um, And that's able to happen because there are rules and standards that aren't shared. Whereas in healthcare it's sort of more like um, the Wild West because it feels like it's too big, it's not in anyone's interest to contain it. And we would really like to see more sharing across those areas
0: you mentioned um again before we hit record that you've you've kind of been talking to the government about improving the regulatory environment uh and obviously you described it as as a kind of a think tank and and affecting policy i would imagine then the majority of your (coughs) sorry the majority of your work is at that kind of governmental level rather than necessarily working with individual organizations maybe that's wrong correct me if i'm wrong we
3: do a, a mixture Let's so say we've got three strands of work. One of them is working with um, businesses, one is government uh, policy, and the other is research, kind of in a society or with communities. And I suppose the thing we try to do is to really bring together th- that learning mm-hmm. in order that the stuff we're talking to government about comes out of the consultation we've done with communities and with businesses like it isn't just our opinion we're trying to convey I suppose like a broader perspective and then give evidence and create change
0: so what what can the businesses I mean what what's what's the message that you give to the businesses about what they can practically do now because fundamentally you know going back to that fifty percent good for them twelve percent good yeah. for society people use uber and yeah. Amazon because it's easy uh, and fundamentally they are businesses trying to make money so I suppose it's balancing that well, we're, we're there to make a profit and to survive and to grow versus let's let's make sure that we're not harming society
3: yeah yeah and So we have a framework that lays out ways of understanding the context that your uh, product or feature is operating in, the consequences of that, Mm. and the um, way that that contributes to the society. So what we're really advocating is a move on from, I guess... um, Things like thinking about uh, user needs as being attached to the individual. Mm-hmm. Can you start to think about community needs or the society needs? We, we have a tool that helps uh, teams understand the user need in the round. And so we've got four different um, ways into that where you're thinking about that person as an individual as a worker, as a member of a community, as a member of a family, and their needs could be completely different there. We have another tool that helps you, um, I suppose, look ahead and understand how your product is likely to act in the world. Like, rather than only um, doing QA against the, the things that you're, intending to do Mm. we want businesses to start doing qa against the things that are not intending to do like it's like rather than thinking of risk as a business tool can it be more of a design tool where every everybody in the the team has a um, responsibility and understanding to think well if for instance we're creating a the service that means your local branch of a bank is um, likely to close. What is the impact of that on the community? How can we um, mitigate that? What are the other things to do? Or is that okay? And we're trying to get businesses to, I suppose, be really clear on the values. And we totally understand that not everyone is trying to create a positive change. But what if you came out of it at least um, ethically neutral, I guess?
0: And finally, to touch on, you've got an event on the 31st of Jan, right?
3: Yes, we have. Yes, we've got a conference at the, uh, the British Library in London. Yep. We've got loads of brilliant speakers um, who've traveled from all over the world, uh, including the, uh, the CTO of um, Barcelona who are doing incredible things. Yeah, they're, they're, about often the kind of held,
0: they're often held up as kind of a standard bearer, aren't they, in terms of democratic services? Yeah. and
3: they're amazing. Uh, we've got uh, the startup, the founders, um, researchers, uh, designers. Um, it's, yeah, uh, January the 13th, the 1st. We've got a few tickets left, mm-hmm. um, not loads, but it'd be great to see your um, listeners there.
0: Where where would they get them uh, on the org website? I'd assume.
3: Yes, yeah, which is dot everyone dot org dot uk.
0: Dot everyone dot org dot uk. Cool, and that's thirty first. Is it evening or daytime? Uh, all day. All, all day.
3: Day. day. Perfect. So it starts at half nine till five, and then we have drinks in the evening as well.
0: Well, look, I hope that goes well.
3: Brilliant. Thank you.
0: Uh, thank you very much for spending some time and, and, and chatting through this because it is. I think people are beginning to wake up to the fact that tech needs to have more of a positive impact on people's lives, so it's really exciting to hear a company that's, or probably not a company, a a quality, yeah, Yeah, there we go, Uh, affecting that change, and uh, fingers crossed it does go well over the year ahead.
3: Lovely, thanks a lot.
0: I don't know who wants to dive in first, but the fact that only 12% of people thinks that tech is doing good for society is a rather alarming stat.
1: That doesn't surprise me because uh, as someone working in tech that has a little bit more of an idea, I wouldn't say that much of an idea, but uh, I'm more engaged with it. Um, I know a bit more about the ins and outs and the ethics and, and things like that, whereas from the outside, people, people that aren't really as engaged or um, un- understand as much... They're just seeing the surface level um, problems that social media are creating. They're seeing their kids um, on iPads all yeah, the time, yeah. Which, yeah. which
2: Rachel does allude to.
1: They're seeing the way, yeah, that you know, yeah. tech takes away from like actual human communication. The way the robots going to take over the jobs. There's all these like hyperbolic, you um, no, dystopian dystopian scenarios that um, is 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 definitely the case. Yeah. But I- the other side is never given as much because it obviously it's not we're really interested in in morbid uh, I think whilst, whilst we can get
0: terribly carried away with the dystopian fantasy style of what's going to happen with the robots, I like that she does also ground it in the that kind of reality of, well if your local bank closes what are the consequences to, to, yeah. to a local community and you know I, I think the high street, if you look at the high street and the shutting down of high streets due to the impact of online retail and what that means for town centres and then crime figures in town centres because people are hanging around and it's, yeah. it's that kind of stuff actually that is much more grounded in day to day reality of people's lives that is definitely
2: people only looking through the keyhole isn't it you know that is and I I understand that entirely I understand why people would think that you know if you're of a generation where you Read the newspaper and that was it. And you were out talking to your neighbour, asking for a spoonful of sugar and all that jazz. Then I get where you're
0: coming from. To help the medicine go down. <laughs>
2: well, you know, like ah, oh, let me some sugar. I am your neighbour. To right. quote Andre three thousand. Um, but like I understand the, the 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 baby boomers, for example, and not all of them, obviously. I don't want to generalise them all, but I understand why they would think that. Whereas if they were to ask, maybe millennials and Gen Z we would probably see that percentage be a lot higher. Because yeah, yeah. I mean, there's three people in this room, and we all think tech is. Doing more good than harm, right? Yes. So, I think whilst their research is incredible, that sample pool might not necessarily be the most reflective.
1: And also, when you're asking about tech, often people want the flashy, yeah. innovative, yeah. like super cool, interesting things, where they're not realizing that tech is doing good in like the mundane, yeah, um, mm. everyday kind of things. And they're it's yeah, it's it's helping in the more subtle. Like unreported ways because it's just yeah, not as exciting not as sexy yeah
2: but people seem to think like, especially like one of the things I always seem to hear is like well we haven't got any hoverboards yet like <laughs> that seems to be like the pinnacle of technology for a lot of people could but, you
1: imagine a hoverboard around Oxford Circus that is already a death trap like we don't sorry. need don't. we don't need people hovering above the ground on skateboards, <laughs> <know>. like, death skateboards
0: <laughs> death skateboards I like <laughs> that. I don't think that's, that's not the marketing campaign
2: that will work for them yeah yeah, maybe don't hire me. For people that. are going around on death scooters at the moment. I mean, we know how I feel about people on scooters, anyway. <laughs>
0: what what I what I particularly liked is that there here emerges an argument for regulation, right? Mm-hmm. Thinking of the dreaded B word, one of the critiques of yesterday's vote is that we just know what Parliament is not for, right? But we don't know what the positives are. the views of the country, right? <laughs> but again, with regulation, we often talk about regulation. We go, we need regulation because. There are excesses in the tech industry, but we don't say, well, what's the positive yeah. argument for regulation? I think it's really interesting that she was talking about the fact that in in fintech, yeah, because you have regulation, you therefore force uh, innovative organisations to work together to share ideas mm-hmm. and therefore find a way forward. Mm-hmm that is more positive for the sector as a whole as opposed to possibly health tech where it's a bit more of what she describes it as wild west yeah. and therefore without that regulation things can go unchecked and can have negative consequences that is the first time that actually I've been able to kind of realize a positive yeah, argument for yeah. regulation and I mean but I think for me I try to strip that
2: back and be like think like well why is fintech the example of fintech the example of where regulation and tech are working really well because fintech it's got the money it's got the money and it's got the ties to regulation it's in a very ideal position to utilise tech because A a lot of these businesses will have infinite resource and money and B they sit so closely with legal and law that they're going to get it going and they're going to make it easier for their users and, and customers so I think, you know, we know Johnny Hugo with public is trying to do this a similar kind of things to everyone in that, you know, get innovation back into government and public sector. Yeah. Um but, you know, until until everyone is ethically and responsibly thinking about their technology, FinTech will remain the pinnacle yeah. and everyone else will struggle and get mm. bogged down in regulation or lack of. Mm.
0: I mean, and also very positive to see that they have some practical advice, right? Absolutely. It's all very well talking about these yeah. issues, but they have a framework, they have two yeah. frameworks. Yeah, yeah um, because
1: that's what I often um, I find interesting with the AI is everyone's always kind of saying, well... Because the only way that AI is, or you know, robotics is, is going to go west is if mm. we don't start to instill um, like ethics and, and regulation yeah. now, and we just continue um, building them with human bias, and we're not actually controlling the output. We're just letting you know everyone just create it. That's where we're going to have a problem. Mm. So everyone agrees with that, but like you said, there's no actual. So, so how do we start to eliminate mm. human bias? How do we start to regulate it? How do we start to build um, ethical AI? And there aren't, I don't know, other answers to that. Yeah, like, well, I think
0: I think that idea of using risk as a design tool rather than a business tool is yeah. that one... And quality you know, assurance as well. Yeah, 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 that one slight change in thinking that could make a really big effect on all of those issues. Yeah,
2: yeah if you're if you're creating an AI and you're thinking about how this going to benefit society and your community, you'd like to think that the stuff you input into it would be just that how it can benefit the community and yeah. whatever but if you've got a room full of 10 you know white males inputting that data in what they can what what it means to be ethical in their community is going to be totally different to yeah. everyone else you know it needs mm-hmm. to be we've said this before it needs to be a diverse pool of people creating AI in order yeah. to it for it to remain and I,
1: th- I think that goes back to um, an interesting point that that she made um that, that really like stuck in my head, was she said that people get the same amount of tech that they get out of life, and then, yeah. um, I think yeah, it, it is really important to like check your privilege with mm. tech and realize that just because it's useful for us doesn't mean it's accessible for everyone, mm. um, um, especially with you know people with disabilities. Um, often they're completely shut out from yeah, tech, yeah. so much They just they just can't use it. So I think yeah, that idea of responsible tech being being something that everybody it is made for everybody it's not just made for this kind of tech savvy um it's, it's elite or whatever is interesting i yeah.
2: like the idea that there's there's now a business an nfp out there that are essentially going to get on to these giddy excitable passionate founders and be like well, what are you doing for the community then you've got a great idea but you're going to shut down some high street shops so you're going to make people lose their jobs what are you mm. going to do about that and,
0: and also it's not just as, as they recognise that not every company is going to be benefiting society but at least be at least be neutral yeah Mm -hmm. and yeah that's ethically neutral that slight change in instead of thinking about your user as the individual but think about your user in a family context and all needs do change but I think it's great that here's a group of people who are trying to rekindle back to your point Sean try to rekindle that early promise of the internet and it's not just about more for the people who already have the most
1: Yeah. yeah
0: yeah Um, look, have you found this interesting? They do have an event, as we've mentioned at the end of the interview.
2: Yeah, it's in the day, so in go the day. in the day and then in the evening.
0: You're one step ahead of me, Jack.
2: Oh, okay. I was really surprised you were like, Dave, you're giving her way too much airtime
0: for her event. Kind of, instead of the legal lag, it's like the Dave lag. Um, 31st of Jan, 9 30 till 5, go along. CTO of Barcelona, uh, I heard her interviewed, I'm pretty sure it's the CTO, not the CDO, on Reasons to be Cheerful, uh, another podcast. Uh, she's great. Um, and the fact that Barcelona, you know, are implementing tech in such a positive, responsible way, fantastic. And then why not come along to White City, at, uh, uh, you know, six quarter past six after that to, to come to our event? Why not?
2: There's not why not.
0: Come. <laughs> anyway, that's enough for part one. We'll be back in a moment with part two. So Jack, are you getting over the January blues? Have you got New Year's resolutions?
2: Uh, no to both.
0: Well, two books that might be able to help you come up with some, some targets for the New Year. Yeah. The Art of Life Admin by Elizabeth Emmons. Okay. Available on Audible, that's a new release. That's new. And The World's Fittest Book by Ross Edgeley, uh, the cover of which will shame you into the gym. It's a very good
2: man. Ah, they might have used an old stock photo of me for that then. I don't think so. He's
0: about three jacks wide. Wow. Yeah, but their new releases on Audible that might help you ease into the new year in a positive frame of mind. I'll give them a go. Well, welcome back to Tech Talks. Uh, It is part two. It is that time of the show when we all bring an article to the table to have a quick discussion. I can just
2: see yours and it's already making me laugh. (laughs) (laughs) I've I've been
0: a little bit silly with mine.
2: Yeah, whereas I've been very serious. Like, Shall I start then? Please.
0: Uh, so this yeah. is taken from the Guardian. Uh, they've done a bit of a of a mock of the uh, the egg. How how an egg beat Kylie Jenner at her own Instagram game? Can
2: I just say I was in the first five hundred thousand to like it. I haven't liked it. Yeah. Oh classic oh, Dave god. Oh god I wasn't To be honest I wasn't really aware <laughs>
0: Until
2: I was going online This morning What made me sick right It's a
1: beautiful egg Was a
2: lot of like And I know This is going to sound ridiculous But a lot of meme Content providers And that is a thing You Tank Sinatra And you know His group yeah. of friends Fuck Jerry and Fat all that. Jewish Fat yeah, Jewish yeah They all then tried To make a meme it And like, yeah. and I was just like No man like we, we We're focusing on an egg now Let's not get this meat.
0: So let's let's make sure that people are aware of what we're talking about. In case you're not, um, a picture of an egg has been uploaded to Instagram. It is the only post. From the uh, account at world underscore egg underscore record.
2: Dave, you're the only person that's not going to have known their username. That's not true.
0: 35 um, million likes. No, no. 26 yes.
2: million. It's am 35 now.
0: All right. Okay, fine. Uh, alongside the caption, let's set a world record together and get this the most liked it, post yeah. on Instagram. All right. Previously, the most liked picture was about 18 million. Which 44.
2: Was... Sorry, it's 44 million now
0: it's at. Wow. And that's time of recording. Yeah. Um, now what's really interesting about this is that if you were to click on the website link it takes you through and about a million people uh, producer Ryder was telling me have mm. clicked through to the website that it takes you to yeah. which is selling merchandise £15 a t-shirt I yeah. liked the egg
1: yeah
0: talk about viral marketing campaigns yeah. and it's, that's it what it is,
1: is. Yeah. it is pretty uh, it's, it's just so sad everything goes back to marketing <laughs> I mean I know we already spoke about the sausage roll last week but to, to re-egg that. Oh. Um. <laughs> are
2: you yoking or just cracking you know, just, on? Yeah yeah yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, let's <laughs> um, hatch this point, shall we? Um, so, oh. <laughs> but they have, like, every time my friend's gone to buy one, they have a sign saying they're all sold out. Yeah. Um, and then um, I was like, oh, that's really great. I Means so, you know, they're selling loads. And it's like, no, they actually put out less well, this is just, you know, so, the thing they put out less, so they're all sold out, so then people tweet about them never being there, and then it's like, oh, they're really popular. It's like, oh, it's just so sad. It's just, it just goes back to a marketing campaign. So oh. a
2: couple of customers have literally put all their eggs in their basket. <laughs>
0: <laughs> have you seen that There's a um, there's been a copycat, world underscore record underscore eggs mother, uh, which is a just chicken. a picture of a chicken, yeah. <laughs> but it must be clucking infuriating because it's only had 17 likes. Mother clucker. Oh anyway who else has an article <laughs> yeah
2: no I mean I, I could talk about that egg all day hey. to be honest with you um, mine's a little bit different well not different but in the fact that I've brought some well, not so seriously but uh, it's from the BBC Dave Lee the North America technology reporter right. YouTube has banned dangerous or harmful prank videos um, that comes as that's, a result that's
0: banning half of YouTube isn't yeah, you? yeah the fun
2: part as well um, that's, that's as a result of people doing the bird box challenge uh, which is basically doing stuff blindfolded. Uh, at least one person oh, yeah. is known to have crashed a car because of it. Oh, um, two things there. One, Bird Box was shit, so I don't know why people. What? Say,
1: oh, I liked it. Come
2: on, it's awful. <laughs> the best bit is John Malkovich's reaction to his wife dying in the first minute. Your fault, my wife has died. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's my John Malkovich impression. Leaves a lot to be desired. One
0: of my favourite prank Instagram video, Instagram sorry, YouTube videos. Is a Halloween one where there's a guy who jumps out of uh, of a of a big oh, dustbin yeah. to scare someone, yeah. and the person's reaction is to punch them. Ways in right. Yeah. is it high school <laughs> or something like that, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, and the guy just collapses back into the bin. Yeah, and uh, um, that's so probably, that's probably should be banned, I suppose, according to this person. So
2: someone how do
1: they categorise that? a prank that, like a
2: harmful prank though fail hashtag so, fail um, by enforcing its new rules on pranks may, but sorry enforcing its new rules on pranks may prove even more difficulty given ambiguity of yeah. what may or may not could be considered harmful Um, YouTube is home to many beloved viral challenges and pranks that said we've always had policies to make sure what's funny doesn't cross the
0: line who the fuck I,
1: are they to say it's funny let, or? Let, let, I mean let, they definitely have let, let's be honest yeah yeah <laughs> Yeah.
0: We all sit there and laugh that you've been framed. Yeah. Yeah, I still do.
1: Yeah. Children yeah. falling over is just like... Oh, a-
0: anyone falling <laughs> over. Oh, don't. It's just, kind of just,
2: that, just something
1: that. about when babies kind of just like teeter forward and like fall on their face. Stupid dumb baby. <laughs> <laughs> they can't even walk properly.
2: Yeah, actor age. Um, <laughs>
0: no, that's a shame that they're trying to ban
2: Well, I think it's at least it's been born out of, you know, trying to look yeah. after people. But I just think this kind of, to me, shows the... Um, Whoever's in charge of making decisions shows how out of touch they are. Yeah. Um. And just on being out of touch, can we just all take a minute to slag off anybody who has a problem with the Gillette advert? Yes. I have not seen oh this much controversy gosh. since Greg's last week. Yeah. <laughs> but have you watched? Have you seen the advert? No. It's, it's incredible. Not an offensive no. Advert. No. Oh it's an gosh. incredible advert. It's basically uh, encouraging men to stop acting like dickheads you know, to stop sexually assaulting people, yeah. stop harassing people. Yeah. And a load of people have gone, oh, who the fuck could you let to tell us? Oh, I want to keep that. harassing women. What do you mean? This is
1: threatening exactly. my masculinity. Exactly.
2: I want to... One, one tweet that I saw was bloody brilliant. <laughs> he said... Um, I am super masculine and I will never be using <laughs> Gillette again. And then a woman commented back to him saying, I totally agree with you here. I'm never using Gillette to shave my legs again. And I just think, you are toxic human beings. Yeah. Why would we not strive for a better yeah. society whereby men aren't constantly sexually yeah. assaulting women? Yeah. Yeah. It would yeah. be nice. Because it
1: always goes back to, because um, obviously not not all men were, were um, just completely outraged by it, but it all goes back to them, to some men feeling so attacked by people telling them to not assault and rape and harass,
3: like, it's my right. Yeah,
1: <laughs> I just don't get it because that wasn't the whole purpose of the ad. No. It was also it was also saying you know it's okay to cry. Like you don't yeah. have to bully all your mates. You don't have to like take the piss out of each other all the time. You can actually Which? look after each other. You know you can be better people. Um,
0: be
2: better humans. Be better humans. Yeah. yeah,
1: like it's yeah. We're well, not saying they're terrible.
0: Anything that <laughs> the the. the Tells men to be more okay. vulnerable and show their emotional side is a good thing with the with yeah. the rates of male, yeah. young male suicide. Yeah, exactly, exactly,
1: exactly. And also, and the reaction to it of of uh, how being being open and, and you know just just more thoughtful in your actions makes you less of a man in some people's eyes. That just mm-hmm. that just epitomizes toxic masculinity. But also. Oh, my God. Women have been told for years and years and years and years, hey, we need this product and that product and this thing to make us better. Um, You know, buy this thing because your, your face looks like shit. You're looking old. Um, All of this, yeah. you know, yeah. Don't, don't like those wrinkles because yeah. then you'll never get How dare you get old? So this is like, yeah, okay. Advertising in general is just... Um, trying to play on your insecurities. So just relax. It's the first time you've been called out in an advert. Like, maybe just listen to it, try and actually understand what it's saying to you and not just instantly jump on this, oh, everyone hates men, bandwagon. Sean,
0: do you have an article to share?
1: Yes, and I'm going to continue on this feminist rant, so... (laughs) Do it. Enjoy. No, uh, I just thought this was really interesting because... first of all the headline grabbed me because it had robotic dildo in the title oh my favourite kind of dildo (laughs) But basically, so there was a robotic, um, like and vibrate—I don't know what you want to call it—but um, it was banned from showcasing at CES. So we were
0: talking about this on the last yeah. episode,
1: yeah, really. and I just thought it was mad. <laughs> a, year,
2: a year before, we had bionic male sex dolls. Yeah. A year later, we've got a couple of funky new dildos. Yeah. And everyone's up and arms.
1: And not even that. They also—they didn't just have that sex robot. They also actually <laughs> had a VR porn. Yeah. Oh, Pornhub were there,
2: weren't they? Yeah. Is it Pornhub or one of the production? So God, I'm making myself sound horrible now. Sitting nowadays. in a room
1: <laughs> watching VR porn. I guess we, yeah.
0: unfortunately, you know, as we were saying last week on the show, there's a lack of femtech because yeah. men build tech for men. Yeah. Typically speaking, men are fairly prudish when it comes to sexual female mm. empowerment. Yeah. yeah. And those barriers are yet to be knocked down. And I suppose it's right to highlight. CES were wrong to ban it from showcasing yeah. and the only way that it's going to change is if more women enter the technology industry and are involved yeah. as Dr Hannah Allen yeah, was yeah, saying last yeah, week yeah. at the creativity, the, at the conceptual stage of, yeah. of creativity then you'll begin to see more tech being built for women in all of its forms
1: Yeah, um, but I just thought it was, it was great that that she kind of came forward and challenged it and challenged it. Um, because on the surface it would be like yeah you know I get it like people might feel a bit uncomfortable um, you know talking about female orgasms um, but like you said when you're then you know it's it is definitely a bias because it's not that they're prudish about sex it's they're prudish about female pleasure mm. yeah uh, and yeah that that is just it's just inherent in tech really and it's it's just so frustrating because we are progressing forward with these, like, insane, like, sex robots that just, like, really freak me out. Um But, you know, like, the doesn't, tech doesn't is advancing, you, no. like, oh, no. the tech is advancing so far. Um But it is, it's just another thing that's going to, like, how long is it going to take before we try and recenter it to not be so male-focused? Yeah. Or male-dominated, like, yeah. I, I don't know. Like, yeah. because women obviously have different... Men and women have different things that they they'd want from from like sex tech, um, and this is just obviously going to discourage women I mean, from wanting, we're from it, from wanting it, to it. to build anything in that space because they're just like, well, what's the point? I can't even win an award. That let, let's face it, I well, like, can't even showcase it.
2: let's
0: face it though, with with VR and AI and sex inevitably being at the centre of some innovation. The conversations that we've had for about video games for the God knows how many years are going to switch to conversations about yeah what we should should and should it's almost like Westworld isn't it yeah. yeah should we really be going around killing things for pleasure just because we can and doing whatever
2: well I suppose the only with Westworld was it was more well as you I, I don't want to ruin season two for you so I'll just yeah I've watched any of it yet, yeah it's oh, so good season two is a bit confusing but it's really good but I mean from my point of view I mean who cares. Like, honestly, if you want to get a cucumber and pleasure yourself with that, or you want to get a fancy tech dildo and pleasure yourself with that, I couldn't give a toss what you yeah. get up to in your yeah. own bedroom. Yeah. So I think, I think what, might be,
0: what might be very interesting, right, is, is when you do have that first person perspective on VR and sex, because um, there was an update of Grand Theft Auto. I was a stupid teenager who used to love Grand Theft Auto. No, I still around, do, yeah, by the way. Killing, <laughs> I still play killing it. Killing people yeah, yeah. For, for a laugh and whatever else. Did it Did it make me more violent in society? No. No. Nope. Right, but you could have those scenes where you picked up prostitutes and killed yeah. them and robbed them, right? Yeah. they updated it so that was in the first person. And it was only when they updated oh it into yeah. the first person that people started to complain. And I think it's fine yeah. if you disassociate yourself yeah. into a third-person perspective and you look at it, as it's a video game, whatever. Yeah. It's Can very I? different to thinking that that's something that's happening and you're looking at it. My and point that, the... that I, I guess, sorry, I'm just no, no. horribly inarticulate, but how we, how we relate to it and how we perceive could filter into the regulation of some of that tech in sex mm. and whatever else in
2: mm. AI. I mean, GTA is a funny one. Uh, Rockstar Games as, as a business are too. Um, I mean, we spoke about a year ago about how people are using GTA. VR to learn how to drive buses and things like that, um, which is really weird. <laughs> yeah, they're using like the immersive technology in their maps to do it or whatever. But for me, I saw a really funny thing the other day in every other video game, right? Every other game you've ever played that's free world, you will save the game so you don't lose your progress and then you go out and you just slaughter people for a laugh. A lot of people mm-hmm. do that in GTA, you slaughter people for a laugh. So, what do you do? You drive around responsibly, you go get your shopping, you go get a new outfit. GTA is the only game whereby when you're unhinged from the story, you act like a normal person. In yeah. every other game. Form. So let's say you take Skyrim, for example. You're on a quest or whatever and then you're like, right, I'm going to save it now. And then you're going to go cast a load of spells on a load of people and make them mm. fight each other. I just
0: think it's interesting.
1: Yeah. Anyway, I, that
0: was a fairly wide-ranging uh
1: podcast
2: yeah dildos yeah. with GTA
1: and eggs don't get the eggs and eggs well let's not
0: forget responsible tech <laughs>
1: yeah. sure, sure. Of point.
2: yeah, of yeah right. I guess so <laughs> I'm joking God, I
1: mean eggs yeah uh, <laughs> no it's, it's a very important point
0: Rachel thanks for coming on the show you're a fabulous guest your, your message is pertinent and relevant and hopefully uh, people took took the time to check out dot everyone on the back of it
2: this is a this is a podcast for startups I feel as though this one is a good one for potential or new founders I I, I don't agree with
0: that I I think anyone working in tech should be thinking about the repercussions I guess I guess it's it's more difficult if you're working for a large blue chip corporate to suddenly go hang on a minute guys let's think about our effects on society if you're building something new of course Yeah.
1: can I just say like this idea of responsible tech is like really going to stick with me because um, you know going back to sex tech and stuff with um, sex robots they're they're being built by men and they're always being built to be like these submissive um, like very similar looking um, dolls that you know are just there to like kind of massage the ego of whoever's using them and like compliment them and stuff so uh, as well, I don't know. and I just feel you know like going forward it's the same thing with AI like how far is that gonna go in terms of what yeah, just the relationships they're going to have between, um, you know, sex dolls and the and the users. Um, I just think it's a really. We look. Interesting. We can ground
0: it in even more, frankly unflattering for humanity. If you elect someone to uh, the White House who's openly yeah. admitted to sexually assaulting people, what effect does that have on the next generation growing up and their attitudes?
2: Grab the rock. What a downer!
0: Anyway,
1: um, <laughs> what a waste of Well, hopefully, it'll be a revelation. There we uh, go. There we go. Bring it
0: up at the end. Um, <laughs> we will talk to you again next week. Sean, thanks for joining us.
1: You're
0: welcome. Uh, yes. Jack, thanks for your time. Always. We'll speak to you soon.